Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like tales from tech support, entitled parents, choosing beggars, pro-revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about tales from tech support. This is bad architecture. Bad architecture isn't what you need. I'm between permanent jobs, so I'm taking whatever projects come my way. One day, I get a call from a trusted recruiter. They have a large client looking for some security architecture help with handling credit cards. It's not likely to turn into a long-term thing, but it'll pay the bills while I look for something else. I expect a week or two of waiting for onboarding to complete. So I take a road trip to the tail of the dragon and drink moonshine with a good friend on the side of a mountain where cell service is intermittent. On the way back, my phone stumbles on the edge of a cell and I get an email from trusted recruiter on my phone. I don't even know of the message for a few hours because hot weather, mountain roads, and motorcycle. Trusted recruiter. Sorry for the short notice, I need you to be on a video call at 3pm with the client. I stop for gas at 2.45 and notice that I have no signal, but I do see the email. Sorry for the short notice, I need you to be on a video call at 3pm with a client. Well, I've been riding in hot weather for the last few days and there may have been some mud and dust, so I'm not really presentable. I run into the gas station to pay and ask about cleaning up. There's a line for the bathroom, so I collect two one liter bottles of fizzy water and try to pay. I hear a collective sigh as the other 12 people in this gas station look at me like the inconsiderate Yankee that I didn't want to be. The clerk gives me a forced smile. Clerk, car machine's down, we're on hold. Me, cash? Clerk, well practiced now. Cash register's locked, owner put the key on his truck keys. He'll be here in 20 minutes, I can only do exact change. I look around, the good folk of this town have been waiting patiently while a wild-eyed Yankee just butts in line. I also realize I'm dressed like a Power Ranger, smell like a farm animal, and I'm holding two bottles of Perrier. I'm an awful stereotype. Me. I am so, so sorry. I apologize. Oh, bother. I have ten minutes to get cleaned up. I realize I can solve this problem. For perfectly legitimate reasons, I have $100 and $1 bills in my saddlebags. I walk out to my bike, root through my bags, and return with the stack. Me. Ma'am, I think I can solve your problem. You can make change with this to let everybody go on their way. I'll take the water and come back to settle up in a bit. The clerk agrees after puzzling over it for a few seconds. I walk back to my bike in the parking lot. I open both bottles of water, drink some, and use the rest to clean up with a credit card-like sliver of motel soap and a clean-enough bandana. I switch out a dirty motorcycle jacket and t-shirt for a professional enough collared shirt. I set up on a plain white wall and get on the call with ease. There's trusted recruiter, friendly and cool. Howard, client product owner, he's got a strange intensity and shows his fears by lashing out. And Trevor, client's intensely strange systems engineer. His high school yearbook might have read, most likely to stab someone over a difference of opinion on the meaning of Reb Barchetta. Intros all around and we get to the substance. Howard. I want to make sure I'm getting what I need. I hate those consultants who just find problems. Me. Well, I'll make recommendations on what you should do and I'll help you find those people, but... Howard. And that's you steering the sucker to another con. Me. 
you seem to think you had a problem. Could you give me an idea? Trevor. Our latest assessor didn't like our architecture. Me. Anything in particular? I saw the schematics, but I'm confused by them. Howard. You can't understand it? Can't you do this? Me. No, here's what I'm failing to get. You've got three tiers of networks. I see blue, green, and red. Red talks only to the internet and green. Blue only talks to green. Green only talks to blue and red. Trevor. That's right. Access between the networks is through the firewall or jump boxes. Blue is where we store and process the most sensitive information. Me. Okay, that sounds good. I don't understand this part. If red and green and blue are stacked on top of each other, what's this black vertical bar called? Flex? Trevor. That's the flex zone. It's a scalable network that connects them all seamlessly. Howard. Don't you understand agile methodology? Me. I'm just trying to understand this so I can help you. One more question. A system in the red zone could talk to one in the blue zone without going through green or any pesky firewalls? Trevor. Yes. Me. And there aren't any restrictions between the color zones and the flex zone? What about the internet? Trevor. Any flex zone system can talk to the internet. Me. I think I see what the auditors didn't like. Howard. And what is that? Me. You built a nice fortress with walls within walls. Then you decided to blast a turnpike right through it. Howard harumphs, and we end the call fairly quickly. I pack up and find my way back into the gas station. They've resumed normality. The clerk gives me my money with an air of amusement. Clerk, I tried to give this back to you earlier, but you seemed busy. Were you working? Me. I think so. We nod our goodbyes. I pull on my jacket, helmet, and gloves. My phone buzzes. Seems I have a start date. To be continued. <laughs> That's so odd. It sounded like they didn't like him at all, and... Now it seems like he has a start date. I hope I come across the updates for this post. If I do, I'll let you guys know. It's always my job. Call today from someone working from home. Issued a company laptop. Me. Good morning, OP speaking. Them. Hi, it's redacted. My internet isn't working. Can you help? Me. Is this just on your work laptop, or have you tried any other devices? Them. All of my devices don't work. The internet is down. Me. Okay, so you need to call your ISP. There isn't anything I can do to help you with this. Them. Well, it's IT related, so it's your problem. You fix it. Me. This is your personal internet. You need to call them. They won't speak to me. Them. But their call time said it would take up to 90 minutes. I don't want to sit on the phone. You do it. Me. You already called them? Them. Yes, but when they said how long it'll take to get through, I thought I'd call you. Me, well, I can't help you. Them, getting angry. I said effing do it now. Me, not happening. Click. I can't understand ignorant users. Yeah, I get it, OP. I don't understand what makes people think that they have all that power, first of all, and why they think they're entitled to get extra help on something like that that doesn't have anything to do with you. It's amazing. Email is his job. A few weeks ago, I did remote support on a customer's machine. One of the requests of the customer was that I do some configuration change that his mail provider, small company I never heard of, required the users to do. So the customer showed me this mail he got from his provider. 
It said that the users either needed to download and install an SSL certificate or change the URL of the mail server and their client. Obviously, the mail provider no longer got a generally accepted certificate for his mail server's URL, for whatever reason. Respectively, only for one of the URLs of his server that wasn't the one a lot of the users were using. Well, so I opened the configuration of the mail client and entered the new URL that was mentioned. No connection possible. A quick check showed that this domain wasn't even registered. At the same time, I noticed that the mail provider sent to his customers put the name and mail address of all the recipients in the CC of this masked email. <laughs> so all the affected customers literally could see the names and addresses of about 200 other customers. At this time, I started to ask myself if this mail provider was running the bedroom of some 12-year-old. I mean, it's already a bit embarrassing if your landscape gardener sends his newsletter using CC, but a guy that operates a mail provider? Anyway, since the mentioned server URL wasn't valid, I gave that mail provider guy a call. He checked and admitted that the URL was misspelled and gave me the correct one. I thanked him and advised him not to send future mass mails by CCing all of his customers because this obviously is bad practice. He didn't take it very well and told me, I know what I'm doing. Email is my job. I thought, well, yeah, that makes this situation even crazier. With the new correct URL, I configured the customer's mail client, and it worked. Just when I was about to finish the job and close the mail client, a new mail from the provider showed up in the inbox. It mentioned the new correct URL. It again CC'd 200 customers. Holy cow. I'm not even sure that's legal, let alone smart. It shows a lack of respect for all of your clients. Unreal. Windows power settings equals overclocking? Haven't posted here in years, but after this ticket today, I thought of you guys and wanted to share. In touch of background, I work for a state government agency doing tier two, three support. We currently have no team lead as they got posted by our server ops group. So for the past four-ish months, I've been handling the ticket queue for the rest of the team. This morning, we had a ticket escalated to us titled, Trying to run two Google conference calls at once and system is freezing. Not thinking much of it, I pass it on to one of my techs figuring it'll be an easy close. The tech contacts the user and in the process of explaining that he is using a five-year-old laptop that wasn't that great news, so trying to run two video conference calls at once is probably more than the PC can handle. The user comes back at the tech stating that if they could change the power settings in the control panel to high performance, this wouldn't be an issue. Our tech tries to explain that these things are managed by policy and all the power mode settings really does is determine when his PC sleeps. User doesn't accept this answer and they go around and around with each other for about 30 minutes. Eventually, I think as an appeasement move, the tech reaches out to our active directory admin for clarification on the computer policy. AD admin goes, dude, I just deal with user policy. You want the SCCM team. SCCM team for some reason agrees to look at the ticket, takes ownership, and then promptly closes it. I spend the rest of the day working my own queue or running around distributing laptops to people who are desperately trying to facilitate working from home. When I get back in the office, I find out from the tech that he heard from the SCCM team supervisor that the user had reopened their own ticket. I post for you now the entirety of his comments on why it needed to be reopened, minus necessary redaction. 
Good afternoon. This ticket has not been resolved. The statement the technician made, power settings does not impact performance to allow multiple video conference calls, is false and gravely incorrect when considering how the basics of CPU processing works. Oh, this ought to be good. Oh, he knows how to copy and paste. CPU processing follows the basic formula. P equals I times V something. So more voltage slash current, more processing power. There is a direct relationship between CPU voltage and the resulting processing power you get out of it. That is why when you increase voltage, you increase clock speed. This is a very common practice for CPUs. See here, Coralink. CPU processing speed also impacts virtual RAM as the CPU has to process requests for virtual RAM use. While virtual RAM is stored on the hard drive, this can be essential to CPU processing. See here, <laughs> BC World article. For computers with integrated graphics chips, CPU processing speed is vital as it relies on the front side bus speeds. Front side bus speeds can be increased by increasing voltage, follow in line with increasing CPU speeds. When an integrated graphic chip is designed to work in tandem with a processor, it is also generally tied to the processor slash clock speed. This is very common for Intel chips and why Intel has been able to run higher performance chipsets with consistency and stability. See here for example, <laughs> Techwalla article. Additionally, I previously had the option to be able to change power settings depending on my needs. When I needed more processing power, I could select the high performance plan. When I needed more battery life, I could select the power saver plan. After the laptop was re-imaged, the ability to change plans was removed, and I am no longer able to select the high performance plan, thus reducing laptop performance. See SNP below. There's an image that we don't have here, but... Last but not least, as an internal customer, I do not appreciate being called a liar or being lied to in terms of how basic computer functions work. I was in the field of IT for a few years in a previous life. I've also built my own personal computer since 2000 and have overclocked many CPUs and GPUs with very few failures. <laughs> to treat an internal customer as if they are dumb, directly lie about how it works, directly lie about how something impacts another, and then to claim the issue is resolved rather than be honest or address the issue directly is extremely poor customer service. I am at a loss as to how it is acceptable for this kind of treatment of internal customers when name of agency is attempting to present a face of good customer service externally. Thank you for your time and consideration on how to address the customer service aspect in the future as well as the hardware issues that were internally caused. I did appreciate the user's need to provide sources, but parts of that already started to become something of an in-office Navy SEAL copy pasta over the afternoon after we all read it. That's incredible. He was in IT years ago. Built his own computers at home. Well, I changed my spark plugs. It doesn't make me a mechanic. So how many of you guys are dumber than the guy you're helping on the other end of the line? Think before you make up your lies. A few weeks ago, I expected a customer to show up to an appointment in my office at 9 a.m. When the customer didn't show up, I called him at 9.20. He didn't answer his phone. Later, at 9.40, he picked up. Customer. Hello, who's there? Me, Unish, IT support company. Will you still show up to our appointment? Customer. Ah, have you already finished the work? Me, 
What do you mean? We had an appointment at 9 a.m. where you wanted to bring in your computer? Customer. Ah, yes. Can I bring it in the afternoon? Me. Yes, 1.30, but what did you mean with finished with the work? I don't yet have anything to work with. Customer. Oh, no, I was just talking to my employee that stands next to me. Me, suspicious. Okay, so you'll definitely show up at 1.30? Customer. Yes, yes, of course. Of course he didn't show up at 1.30, so I called him again. Me. Well, where are you? Customer. Listen, I don't have the computer that I wanted to bring in. My daughter brought it to another repair shop yesterday evening. It was urgent. Me. Well, okay, but then you should cancel your first appointment instead of making a second one. Customer. Sorry. After quickly googling that guy, I found out that he worked in some joint practice where another customer of mine was working too. Later that month, that other customer called me because of something unrelated. On this occasion, I asked her about the other guy and made some vague intimations about the story. She then revealed to me that the guy doesn't have a daughter, so even that part was a lie. Oh, that's, that's just awesome. Now we're adding stupidity to liars. That's fantastic. Customer forgets that they own a $1,000 laptop and eventually we have to throw it out. Context. Helped a customer with their laptop in store and they chose to leave it with me for troubleshooting. Me calling the customer. Hello, is this John speaking? John. Yes, it is. Me. Wonderful. I'm calling from tech services to let you know that I just finished up working on your laptop and that you can come get it any time. John. But... I didn't bring my laptop to you guys. Me. This is John Doe, correct? John. That's correct. Me. I helped you out with your laptop earlier today. You needed your drive replaced, remember? John. That can't be right. I don't have a laptop. Me. I just spoke to you a few hours ago, though, sir. The laptop is right here in front of me. It even has your name on it. No, no, you must be making a mistake. I don't have a laptop, and I haven't been to you guys in months. Me, staring down at a $1,000 almost new laptop. Well, I apologize for any confusion then, sir. We have it here whenever you need it back. John, I'm telling you it's not mine. I do not have a laptop. You must be messing with me. Stop wasting my time. Hangs up. Over the next two months, this man, yes, it was the same guy we got the laptop from, came in for other miscellaneous stuff and also complained to the manager that we kept harassing him over the phone. We even brought his laptop out to him and he denied that it was his. We had it for several months before the abandonment process completed and we had to throw it out. Oh, that just makes me want to cry for several reasons. Not a couple of days later, he came in looking for a new computer because he lost his old one. When I asked about his laptop that we had, he legitimately had no idea what I was talking about. This man was probably in his early 40s, so I really have no idea what happened here. Oof. Edit. Lots of you guys are saying it could be dementia or Alzheimer's, even at his age. Others are saying he may have had illegal stuff on it. I doubt there was illegal stuff because he's a regular and we did a drive replacement to a bigger drive and had to access it to transfer the data. He's always had sort of an airy look to his eyes, so it may be medical. Also, I couldn't take the laptop. My workplace is very strict and checks the cameras a lot and does bag checks when employees leave. I'd never have managed it. 
Yeah, I get it, OP. It's a shame, though, that they wouldn't have some sort of a buyback program or, you know, some sort of an employee purchase program. Okay, so the guy had sensitive data on his drive. You know, they can either remove the drive completely or, you know, wipe it or something and make it so that you guys can purchase, you know, abandoned tech. Seems a shame just to throw it out. Um, that's for the customer? Wow. That customer was definitely confused. So either dementia or, you know, some sort of TBI, something like that. Oh, that's a shame. Find a number. So there was this toll-free number forwarded to a U.S.-based number that had just shown up on a bill with a significant cost. Various finance staff apparently spent quite a while trying to identify the number and who owned it. Finance escalated to IT procurement, who had no record of the number, and they escalated to IT management, who engaged and queried numerous staff in an attempt to identify the number. This is where I came into the issue, as I entered a conference call 10 minutes late to find the various attendees discussing further options that they could use to identify this number. <laughs> uh, so on day three of the search to identify this phone number, dot dot dot, I called it. Oh, <laughs> uh, way to think outside the box, OP. Sometimes the simplest solutions are the best. What about you guys? You ever run into anything this simple yet so stupid? You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.